Welcome back to a brand new episode of Raise the Apple. It has been a wild last week for the Mets. That's pretty much all we're going to uh, talk about today is what's going on with our New York Mets. Their lead in the division has quickly shrunk from, at one point it was eight and a half games. Now it is down to just a half game over the Phillies. They open a, a weekend series with the Phillies in Philadelphia starting tonight. They lost three out of four to the Marlins. It, it's, it's been a rough stretch for the Mets. It's There's no easy way to really say it. It's just flat out they've stunk the last little bit. But you know what? That's okay. It's okay. Mets fans on Twitter, Mets Twitter, I've said before that it's such like a love-hate thing with Mets Twitter, and right now Mets Twitter is just a horrible place because it's filled with wannabe GMs and wannabe baseball experts that really don't know as much as they think they do about baseball. So first of all, talk about the Phillies. The Phillies are hot right now. They went out at the trade deadline. They got Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy from the Rangers. They've moved, they've shifted around a lot of their uh, pitching. They got, uh, who was it? Ranger Suarez, who was their closer, is now in the rotation. Ian Kennedy is now their closer. You got you plug in Kyle Gibson, who's a very under the radar Cy Young candidate this year, along with Carlos Rodon of the White Sox. You pair that with Aaron Nola and Zach Eflin and Zach Wheeler. The Phillies are a good team, so it shouldn't be really that big of a surprise that the Mets have the Phillies and now the Braves too, hot on their tail. The Braves are on fire as well. The Braves are, I believe, a game and a half back, and the Phillies are still just a half game back now. And it is shaping up just to be like we expected. A three-horse race between the Mets, Braves, and Phillies. The Nationals faded off. They're out of it, and they also dumped 90% of their team. The Marlins have never been in it. It. We knew this is how this final stretch was going to go. A three-horse race between the Mets, Braves, and Phillies. Now... The Marlins and Reds, both of which the Mets just faced. The Marlins, I believe they still play at least once more by the end of the year. They're done seeing the Reds this year. Thank God. I said at the beginning of the year that the Reds and the Marlins were going to be pesky little group, which they are. The Reds were going to be annoying against the Mets, and same with the Marlins. Everybody was going to count the Marlins out and say, oh, they're not competing and this and that. But the Marlins were going to be pesky little guys against the Mets. And that's what they've been. They took advantage of some missed opportunities by the Mets, and to say the least, in that series in this past series. They took advantage of some missed opportunities. And winning three out of four kind of took the wind out of the sail of this team. But again, <clears throat> I'm not worried. Now a lot of people say, oh, why why not? You know, the Mets had an eight and a half game lead. They were at one point ten games over five hundred. Now they're only four games over five hundred. They only have a half game lead in the division now. Because every good team has bad stretches. We've seen teams that we saw the Dodgers. Look at where the Dodgers are now. They're uh, I wanna say like two games back to the Giants. Off the top of my head, I could be wrong on that. And one of the best teams in baseball. If not the best team in baseball. And at in May they went through a stretch where they won what was it like four game four for sixteen or something like that four and sixteen over a twenty game span. They were horrible. 
Every team, every great team goes through it. And I really do think this Mets team is a great team. Everyone, a lot of Mets fans will say, this lineup is a bust. These guys don't mesh well together. When you look around this lineup, the only two guys, when fully healthy, everybody out on the field fully healthy, you have James McCann catching, who was an all-star in 2019. You have, at first, Pete Alonzo, back-to-back home run derby champ, all-star in 2019. You have, at second base, uh, pro- assuming everyone's fully healthy, probably Javi Baez, who's been an all-star. At, you have the best shortstop in all of baseball, Francisco Lindor, when he comes back. At third, you have Jeff McNeil, who was an all-star in 2019. On the mound, in a wild-card game, winner go home, you're going to have Jacob deGrom, who's the best pitcher on planet Earth. In the outfield, in right field, you have Michael Conforto, all-star. In center field, you have Brandon Nimmo. In left field, you have Dom Smith, both of which, if there was an all-star game last year, Dom Smith would have been an all-star. And Brandon Nimmo at the top of that lineup is what makes this team go. He is the table setter to make this team go. Borderline, every single position player is all-star caliber. At very least, every position player on this team, when fully healthy and out there, is at worst borderline all-star caliber or better. That's how good, that's how talented this team is. Everyone wants to say, oh, this team stinks. This is a waste of money. It was a waste to get Javi Baez. They should have gone all in and gotten Chris Bryant and Jose Barrios. People were upset with what the Mets gave up to get Javi Baez. They gave up Pete Crow Armstrong, the the fifth-ranked prospect in the Mets system. If the Mets were to pull off a trade for Chris Bryant, that would have cost a lot more than Pete Crow Armstrong. Probably would have cost J.D. Davis. Probably would have cost a top-five prospect, maybe a second top-five prospect. If the Mets traded for Jose Barrios... We know what the Twins want, and now the Twins apparently want some sort of package involving Dom Smith and Ronnie Mercusio. They got a haul from the Blue Jays for Jose Barrios, and they would have gotten a haul from the Mets if they pulled the trigger on that trade, which I'm glad they didn't. Knowing what the Twins wanted in return, I'm thrilled the Mets didn't go in on that. That's the thing, though. The Mets got Javi at a very, in my opinion, a very good price. You got Javi and Trevor Williams who was great last night for Syracuse, and you got cash considerations, and all you gave up was Pete Kerr Armstrong, who's not going to be a contributor at the major league level till at least 2023, 2024, in that range, and he's out for the rest of this year with a shoulder injury. So you have no idea if he's even going to pan out. But with Javi Baez, yes, I've been critical of Javi for the extent of he strikes out a lot. He's kind of inconsistent a little bit at the plate. Hasn't really been the Javi we've come to know since the 2018 where he was the runner-up in the MVP voting. I thought it was a great move to add Javi. It secures the defense. It's a great, reliable bat. Having a star in the middle of that lineup. This team has the talent and the capability to compete with the Giants and the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Rays, the Red Sox, the Astros, all these teams. What is holding them back right now is little things. Obviously, the injury injuries. People say, oh, stop blaming injuries. That plays a big part in team success. When you look at the Mets, when you have 
You're the best pitcher on planet Earth in Jacob DeGrom on the injured list. The best shortstop in baseball, Francisco Lindor, on the injured list. Arguably your number two starter, Noah Syndergaard, on the injured list till at least the end of this month. You had until a couple weeks, until about two weeks ago, Carlos Carrasco on the injured list until uh, two weeks ago. You had him at the start from spring training until then on the injured list. Stroman spent uh, very little time. Did he, did Stroman go on the injured list this year? I don't remember if Stroman went on the injured list at all or not. Taiwan Walker was on the injured list for a little bit, missed a start. The Mets have used, six, I believe it was 16 or 17 different starters Start. I put starters in parentheses, air quotes, because uh, some of those games were openers. They did the Aaron Loop as the opener for doubleheaders. And they have also are on pace right now to use the most players in Major League Baseball history in a season. They've used almost 60 different guys to get to this point. That's what a team is. You. That's what the Dodgers have been so... That's why the Dodgers have been so successful for as long as they have because of their depth, their talented depth. And that's how the Mets have been able to stick around as long as they have because they have talented, established depth. They've used almost 60 different guys this year to get to this point. Coming into today, they've been alone in first place for 90 days, which is the longest we've seen the Mets in first place in a long, long time. And they're getting it done. Any other year, that doesn't happen to the Mets. Everyone's forgetting the time when and uh, was it May when the replacements were alive and well? You had because the Mets had 17 different guys on the injured list. You had Pilar coming in, VR stepping up, Peraza stepped up. You had Khalil Lee, Mason Williams, uh, Travis Blankenhorn, who's been kind of hit or miss. You've had Patrick Mazika, the walk-off king, in his first major league at bat. And then in the uh, from the pitching, Jared Eikhoff was great in his first start for the Mets, and then it kind of went downhill from there you've had Taiwan Walker has had a career year until his past couple starts Stroman's only had one or two hiccups along the way Tyler McGill has been a godsend to this team Tyler McGill I know he got roughed up a little in Miami but besides that he has been phenomenal for this team David Peterson is out out for probably the year but at the, he did get off to a bumpy start but had Great starts here and there that showed he's he's still got that uh, rookie form intact. Jacob Degrom was in the if, if it wasn't for injuries, Jacob Degrom was on pace to have one of the best years we've ever seen by a pitcher in baseball history, and definitely the best year of his career. And a, another Cy Young to his name, and potentially an MVP. Having all that. And then you look in the bullpen. The bullpen was thought to be the weak point of this team. The bullpen's been the best part of this team. Miguel Castro's been great. Aaron Loop's been great. Trevor May's been great. Familia has had some hiccups, but so has everyone else. Edwin Diaz has been horrid in non-safe situations, but when it's mattered, he's he's come through. Who else am I forgetting in that bullpen? Lugo's get starting to get back into form. Uh, they've had they've had a bunch of different guys come up to fill in. Uh, spots from time to time. I'm not worried about this team because rough stretches like this are not permanent. It doesn't mean they're going to finish the year abysmal like this. They do look a little flat right now. But when a team is struggling, it's hard to keep that momentum going. 
I'm telling, I say it all the time. They are one game, one hit, one pitching performance, whatever you want to call it, from getting back going again. All it takes is one. I thought it was going to happen after Javi hit the go-ahead homer in the only game the Mets won against the Marlins in the, that series. After Javi homered, I thought that was the thing to get them going. Uh, yesterday, they fought a little bit at the end, but came up short. This series against the Phillies, it would be phenomenal for the Mets if it was in City Field. It would be huge if it were at City Field. But we're going to be in Philly. So this is a huge series for the Mets. It's not make or break, but it is a huge series for the Mets this weekend. I'm not going to lie. Let me just double check quick who is pitching this weekend. Bear with me here. So game one tonight, we have Stroman versus Kyle Gibson. So a great uh, first game for the Mets. Going up against Gibson and Stroh, it's going to be probably a pitcher's duel tonight. And then you look at tomorrow, you're going to have Tyler McGill against Ranger Suarez at 4.15, a late afternoon game. And then Sunday, you're going to have Taiwan Walker against Zach Wheeler. That's the series. Is it a three-game or four-game series with the Phillies? Three games. Okay, so then you have so then you have that. And then they come home to play the Nationals. And who else is in this uh, homestand? Nationals. And then the then you start playing the big boys. After you got the you have this weekend with the Phillies. You start next week at home with the Nationals, and then you you start your stretch with the Dodgers and the Giants, where you have to run into them, and then you have to go out to there and play against them. That At that point, it might be make or break, but I don't want to give up on this team. I think this team has a lot left to show. I think they are a dangerous threat coming into October. A lot of people were saying, oh, Oh, everybody's criticizing the Yankees for having a horrible year, but no, and everyone's talking about how great the Mets have been. But how about right now? And oh, uh, uh. the Yankees were the favorite to win the American League pennant this year, and they're currently third place in their division and barely hanging on to a wild. I don't even know if they're in the wild card spot right now. They might have the second wild card spot or be like a game back of it. They're borderline making the playoffs. But it's a disappointment for the Yankees because they were borderline making the playoffs when they were the favorite to win the pennant this year. So with that being said, I'm not giving up on this team, and Mets fans shouldn't be giving up either. I see a lot of people saying, oh, this season's a wash, I'm over it, there's no heart in this team anymore. Those people, these same people were saying how great this team was a month ago. They took advantage when they needed to, playing in a division that was severely underperforming. Now that since the trade deadline, the Braves and Phillies made some moves, the Mets made moves too. It's going to be a three-horse race down this last two-month-ish stretch of the season. And it is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But we can't give up on this team. Real fans embrace the suck. There are going to be times when your team sucks. Happens to every team in every sport. The real fans embrace it, and the fake fans run away and then come back when they start playing good again. And it's not just in baseball with the Mets, it's with every team in every sport. The real fans 
stick through the sucky part. Yesterday was the one year anniversary, or two year, two year anniversary of when LFGM was born. When Pete Alonso put out the call to Mets fans on social media, say LFGM, this is a huge final stretch. We're in the dog days of summer. We need you guys. Yesterday, I got a, the memory of after Pete hit the clutch homer against the Marlins at City Field, and then Steve Gelbs looked at him and said, LFGM, that's where we are right now. We are in the dog days of summer. The boys need our, need our support right now, now more than ever, because this is the time that makes or break makes or breaks a season. We can't have it we can't have it like 2019 where they got going too late. They had that incredible stretch at the end of July, early August, and they felt at by the end of the year they were a game and a half away from making a playoff spot. We can't have that happen in 2019. It's division the way the the way the NL West is where you're potentially having three teams coming out of that division, it's really division or bust if you're the Mets in 20, in 2021. That's just because of how good the NL West is with the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres all going at it. It's division or bust. So now more than ever, they need Mets fan support. City Field needs to be rocking these last this last final stretch of the year. There's a lot to be excited about about this team. We've seen what this team can do. We know what they're capable of. So don't give up on them yet. We got still plenty of time to go. They still have a half-game lead. If at the end of August they're maybe four games back in the division, then, yeah, maybe there's probably cause for concern. But we, as Mets fans, have been so used to seeing, like, the LOL Mets moments that this is, like, expected. But I don't think that's going to happen with this team. And if at the end of the year they don't win the division and they don't make the playoffs, you could come in here and say how wrong I was and this and that. I don't care. But right now we need to get behind these guys and get ready for this final stretch of the year because it is going to be a lot of fun to watch. With that being said, that's going to that's going to end my little rant. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. This team is a phenomenal team. Everyone thinks that, oh, this team's a bust. It doesn't mesh together. This is the team to do it, I think, in my opinion. I think this is the talent to do it. You got a lot of guys locked up long-term. I think this is going to be a fun last two months of the year. So make sure you are subscribing on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. We are going to do a giveaway at 100 subscribers. So make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. Make sure you follow on Twitter at RTA underscore pod for highlights and in-game updates and any news going on with the Mets. Next week, we'll have we'll be back to two episodes a week. We have the, on I believe it's Thursday. Is Thursday the 12th? No. Yeah, Thursday the 12th is the Field of Dreams game with the White Sox and Yankees. We'll talk about that. So much going on, so much to be excited for. Don't give up, Mets fans, because right now they need us more than ever. It's time to get behind them, and let's go get, take two of three or sweep the Phillies. It is much, much needed. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. LFGM. Stop till we're legend